In the early 1800s, buffalo, also called bison, roamed the American and Canadian West in the tens of millions, and the lives of the Plains Indians centered around the massive beasts. The buffalo provided food as well as skins for clothing, blankets, tents, and other leather items. Their dried manure was used for fuel. Indians followed the herds, taking what they needed and teaching the next generation to hunt. Theirs was a buffalo-based culture. By 1850, the buffalo had split into a northern and a southern herd. The southern herd spread across Texas from the cross timbers in north-central Texas to west Texas and north into the panhandle and beyond into the prairies of western Oklahoma and Kansas, spilling over into the eastern edges of New Mexico and Colorado. In the decade of the 50s, the flow of settlers into Texas was heavy, and demand for buffalo products grew. Dried buffalo tongue became a staple of the settlers' diet, and it was a popular delicacy in the cities of the East. Buffalo skin blankets and robes were both functional, fashionable, and in high demand. Enterprising men began to hunt the buffalo to meet these rising desires. In 1848, Christian Sharp had developed a large-bore, single-shot rifle with the accuracy and range ideal for hunting buffalo. Teams of hunters began to hunt in earnest with these powerful rifles. In some cases, hunters contracted with military forts to provide meat to the troops. Mostly, hunters shot the huge animals, taking their tongues and skins, and leaving the remaining carcasses to rot. The Civil War, which began in 1861, essentially halted hunting. It was a brief reprieve for the buffalo. Following the war, General Philip Sheridan was assigned to direct the U.S. campaign against the Indians in the Midwest. Now, in case you're wondering if this is the same General Sheridan, notorious in Texas for the quote, If I own Texas and hell... I would rent out Texas and live in hell. <laughs> well, you're right. He's the same one. He subsequently apologized and blamed his comment on a difficult trip across the state. However, he did not apologize for the following comment made to the Texas legislature. These men, the buffalo hunters, have done more to settle the vexed Indian question than the entire regular army has done in the last 30 years. They are destroying the Indians' commissary. Send them powder and lead, if you will, but for the sake of a lasting peace, let them kill, skin, and sell until the buffalo are exterminated. Then your prairies can be covered with speckled cattle and the festive cowboy who follows the hunter as a second forerunner of an advanced civilization. General Sheridan's blunt comment echoed the national policy. Eliminate the buffalo, push the Indians into reservations, clear the plains for settlement. This policy also supported the growing demand by factories for buffalo skins, which could be made into strong, flexible belts for the new machines of the Industrial Revolution. Demand for skins was also heightened by the invention of a new tanning process. Buffalo slaughter began in earnest in 1870 and 1871. The common man quickly discovered that instead of 50 cents in earnings per day, a single buffalo hide was worth as much as $1.25 to $3.50, and buffalo were easy to kill. A hunter could kill 50 per day. 
A team of skinners, or hiders as they were called, would skin the animals, leaving the carcasses on the blood-stained prairie. Even the railroads contributed to the speed with which the buffalo were killed. Unhappy that herds of buffalo wandered onto the railroad tracks, causing days and days of delay for trains, the railroads promoted the opportunity to hunt buffalo from their trains. Men piled into and onto the trains, and an untold number of buffalo were killed and left where they fell, carrying for predators. Recognizing the threat the buffalo slaughter represented to Indian culture, the Indian wars flared. U.S. military response was massive, and the Indians were forced into reservations in western Oklahoma. In Texas, the buffalo killing generally ended by 1878, a year in which 100,000 hides were taken in the state of Texas in just 60 days. Millions of dead buffalo meant millions and millions of bones. The Texas Plains were one giant boneyard, and these bones had new uses. They could be ground into fertilizer, used in the processing of sugar, used in the production of delicate bone china, even made into buttons and assorted handles. The expansion of the railroads made the hauling and selling of bones feasible. The bone business in Texas was born. Bone-gathering territories were claimed and largely honored by others. As people gathered the buffalo skeletons, mountains of bones began to sprout on the prairies. The bones from one buffalo weighed about 50 pounds. In places where a large kill had occurred, two men or a family could gather four to five tons of bones in one day. A heavy farm wagon could haul the same amount. Bone pickers would deliver their loads via bone roads to the railheads, or boneheads as they were jokingly called. At the railheads, bones were organized into rectangular piles the size of boxcars, eight feet wide, eight feet high, and 33 feet long, roughly 12 tons of bones per rectangle. Stacking was done by interlocking the horns on buffalo skulls to form the boundary of the rectangle. The interior was then stacked with bones. The bones were loaded and shipped to markets located in New Orleans and all across the East Coast. Towns like Abilene, Midland, Sweetwater, and Colorado City were large shipping points. The bone business was good business. Bone picking was a way to supplement a family's income. This was especially important given the uncertainties of pioneer life. It was also an opportunity to work hard for a large payoff. In the late 1870s, a ton of bones was worth 4 to $6. A decade later, in the 80s, bone scarcity had driven up the price to between $20 and $22 a ton. Toward the end of the 1880s, the buffalo bones were gone. But in the harsh Texas winter of 1886 and 1887, Hundreds of thousands of cattle in Texas and all across the Great Plains died. This event, known as the Great Die-Up, and I don't know why it was called that, provided new opportunities for bone picking. By then, bone prices had settled down to $8 per ton. Bone picking continued through the 1920s, when each Texas county had a bone man who would contract with farmers and ranchers to keep pastures bone-free. There's no question but that the buffalo shaped our state's history. The Plains Indians created a unique nomadic culture around the buffalo. 
The extermination of the buffalo was a conscious political action by the U.S. government to force the Indians to alter that lifestyle and move to reservations. The deaths of the buffalo served industry as the Industrial Revolution began, creating the need for thick, strong leather. And picking the very bones of the gigantic beasts supported settlers and helped fuel railroad expansion. Yes, the mighty buffalo has had a mighty impact on Texas. No bones about it. If you like these Texas history tidbits, subscribe to Texas Brave and Strong. It's the best little blog and podcast in Texas. Subscribe at lauriemoremore.com. That's L-A-U-R-I-E-M-O-O-R-E-M-O-O-R-E dot com. Y'all, please come back.